Before I get started, I like to take the time to thank you. Yes, you. See, there was a dramatic pause there so you can look down at your phone to make sure the audio wasn't messing up or nothing or the episode cut out because I wanted to get your attention. You, the listener, I'd like to thank you very much for taking the time out of your day, week, weekend, vacation, or whatever have you to listen to the show. And if you're a new listener, I'd like to thank you also for taking a chance at listening to the random ramblings with rob also with rob today is a guest as per usual a returning guest i think so far in the over two years that this uh, show has been going i think my guest has been here i think the most times out of any returning guest i could be wrong because i have a bad memory therefore is why i have a podcast so I have audio documentation of the shit I forget. So I could be right and, and I could be wrong in this instance, but I think I'm kind of right. He might be tied with somebody because let's see, I'm going to do a quick recap. Uh, Melanie Cummins, a.k.a. Tiny Ebony, has been here three times. Uh, This would make technically this would be what four or five times. Because he had a two-part episode, then he came back and did a financial episode, then he came back and did another financial episode, now he's here to do another financial episode. So, from what I can recall off the top of my head, my guest this morning or evening, however you listen to podcasts, the returning King Ajar is the most returned (laughs) guest of the podcast. So, welcome my friend, how are you? (laughs) I'm doing good, Rob. How's it going? It's going. It's uh, hot as hell, and I'm glad I'm inside podcasting. Don't have to do it outside. <laughs> yeah, I'll say this. Um, we both. I, I don't know if you, you live in Texas now or you're kind of right on the border, but for me, I live in El Paso, 
and today it's 105 degrees, and it's the hottest day of the year so far. And let me tell you something. Refrigerated air might be the best invention ever today. Tomorrow, I don't know. But today, it's the best invention because even though my electricity bill is going to the roof, man, it feels good. And it's so hot outside that I went to the car and I had to take a shower. That's how hot it was. So, yeah, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, man, I, I know the feeling. It's 94 degrees outside, and I think the high is going to be 95, just one degree difference. But, damn, I went outside to put up the patio umbrella because the old patio umbrella broke. So I got a new fancy one that articulates and do all this other cool shit. And just the time it took me to open the door, crack the seal from the coolness that is my house to enter the hell that is outside Houston, Texas, and, you know, I immediately pulled sweat. It was just, I, it was ridiculous. I, I don't know. It's just like, as soon as skin hits the air, moisture just, poof, there it is. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so hot. It's just ridiculous. Um, I'm at a point now where I'm from the cold, and I'm from Toronto, born and raised, and I grew up where I'm about four or five months a year of what they consider good weather. But now I do appreciate the falls, the winters. I don't like snow, but I appreciate a 30-degree day where I have to wear a hoodie and some tins because I have so much of my wardrobe that it's just absolutely useless to me out here. I have winter jackets. I have tins. I have hoodies. I have sweatshirts and you know, I can wear them maybe two, three weeks of the year, like November, December. But even then, out here, it's 50 degrees. So, like, I'm doing it just to more wear it, but I really don't have to if I don't want to. So, I um, I moved to this. I, I moved out here for my work, and you know, I love living out here. But man, on days like this, it's 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 ridiculous. It's not as humid as maybe where you live or where other people live, like in the Northeast, where it's like 95, but it feels like 200 because it's so sticky. But I always tell people, 105 is 105. Like, it's 105 degrees. So, yeah, I'm glad to be here. Um, Thank you for having me on again. It's always a pleasure. And you have a tremendous platform that I think a lot of people out there should check out because you have a wide variety of guests. You don't just talk one or two things. You have just, I mean, I've listened to singers. I've listened to comedians. I've listened to porn stars. I've listened to female wrestlers who are actually doing pretty well for themselves. If you know, anybody out there knows Kiara Hogan, yeah. who's on Impact. And, you know, she's going to be wrestling Tessa Blanchard probably, and that's going to be a really good match. Uh, but, yeah, you have a really diverse uh guest list and, and I'm glad that you make time for me so what's on your mind sir yeah man you was, you was getting there talking about the winter dress and all kind of things you know being from Canada and whatnot with the cold I like to just talk about that with it because I, I like being cold if anything because like my philosophy is if it's cold I can bundle up put more layers on and be comfortable if it's hot I could be butt ass naked and still be hot, you know. 
And that's just kind of the crux of it or whatever. And like, I love wearing winter clothes. I, I, I love wearing a nice long sleeve shirt or a sweater and anything like that. I re- prefer to wear pants over shorts and whatnot. So, I mean, is that kind of like, I mean, I know you come from a colder climate, but now um, do you prefer to wear a winter dress than compared to summer dress? Yeah, absolutely. I am a person who loves the way you can put together a wardrobe in the wintertime. Um, you know, I have hobbies. Everybody has hobbies. You know, one of my big hobbies is I collect shoes. But I'm also kind of a clothes whore, so I do like clothes. I have a lot of clothes. And one of the things I miss about living in a Chicago where I used to live for five years or even Toronto is that I had layers to my own wardrobe. So I had sweaters. I had collared shirts that I could throw under the sweater with jeans, with a pair of Tims, a black leather jacket, a brown leather jacket. So, yes, I would prefer, I would prefer to live in an, in an environment that's 55 to 70 degrees all year round, where maybe the coldest it gets is about 40, the hottest it would get is 80. So I can wear everything. I yeah. do prefer jeans over shorts. I do prefer, I love thermals. Like I'm a big thermal guy, but as soon as I moved out here, thermals are null and void. I have so many hoodies, yeah. but I can only wear them early in the morning when I go to work out or walk the dog because it's kind of cold and it has a breeze. But yeah, I, I love winter clothes, Rob. And, and, and I'm a Tim's person. I come from the East Coast. Tim's are a huge staple of our wardrobe, especially growing up, you know, late, you know, 80s, 90s, hip-hop culture. Tim's, blue jeans, black leather jacket, a, par- a toque or a winter hat. That was kind of how you went out to the club. That's how you went out to a concert. That's how you went out to just hang out with your friends. So that's how I dressed on my dates in high school in the wintertime. I mean, that was how we dressed. So I have a closet full of tins that I don't really use out here. So, yeah. you know, I'm sure there's somebody who's going to be listening to this. It's like, Hey, what size did you wear? I'm, you know, I'm interested. And, and if anybody is interested out there in Tim's, I'm 11 and a half. So if, you know, you're looking for some pairs, <laughs> you know, you can get in touch with Rob and he can find me. So yeah, that's that's my long-winded answer. Yeah, I mean, it, you just you're right. It's just it's more options to accessorize and everything. I mean, because like I I like wearing a nice shirt, and then I like to have the coat over it. Because I mean, same here. I mean, I was stationed in Missouri for two years, and now I mean it get cold, but that's just like too cold for me. You know, that's much as much snow as I ever seen in my life was, you know, living there in Missouri for those two years. And it was just, it was fun, like, maybe the first two months to see the snow and everything. But after a while, it's like, fuck this. You go out there, you step in it, then it stick to your shoe, then it melt, then your shoe get wet. And then it was just a goddamn nightmare. I like the winters here, the ones that kind of exist. I mean, it's cold enough to where I can wear the things that I like. And it's it's, it's like a comfortable cold to me because, like, a winter here is kind of like how the temperature is almost inside my house. So, I mean, if I went outside in my my sweatshirt and uh, came back in the house in my sweatshirt, like during the winter months here, it would be the same almost. So Rob, like I said before, what is on your mind? 
well, fine. Disregard all my my winter clothes <laughs> talk then. <laughs> but but here's, here's the thing. If, Rob, we can have this conversation, but you just said Missouri is a little too cold for you. I come from Toronto. Yeah, so, like, true. Missouri to us is Florida. <laughs> because in, in Toronto, I, there have been winters where when I opened my front door, it was snow from the bottom to the top. Yeah, you're right. There have been, there have been winters where... Our schools and our roads got shut down. Now, you guys have to understand out there listening to this. If you live in Lake Charles, Louisiana, or Houston, Texas, or El Paso, Texas, or Dallas, Texas, and you get one inch of snow, they shut the city down. Shut it down. down. <laughs> shut this in shit Toronto, down. in order for them to label it or, or, or call it like a national emergency or, you know, shut down city, guys, it has to be at least six, seven inches of snow. So think about that. Like, I've seen a foot of snow. A foot. So for anybody out there who doesn't understand what that is, take a ruler, go outside, just stand it up, and say, from bottom to top, that's how much snow I've seen. Yeah. All right. Point well taken. I would uh, rescind (laughs) my Missouri winter talk and uh, get into the topic at hand. Usually when you come here, there's usually um, a big financial change in the wrestling market. And um, I'm very interested in, you know, hearing what you got, your stats, your analytics and everything. So why don't you go on and hit me? WWE has been um, noted as to be signing a deal with uh, Fox. So uh, what you got on that? Yeah, so WWE um, has signed actually two television deals in the United States. And it's for a massive increase of their TV rights. So let's talk about Fox. For those of you who aren't aware how television works, NBC Universal had what's called first right of refusal. So they were the company that aired both Raw and SmackDown on Mondays and on Tuesdays. The window for them to negotiate, they had until I think it was maybe the end of July, and they came to WWE, and they said, look, we're going to give you $360 million a year for both shows for the next 10 years, so that's going to be $3.6 billion. WWE said, you know what? Um, we, we are interested in more money, because we think if we were to shop one or two of our shows on the open market, we could get more money than that. So we're not interested in that deal. So NBC came back and they said, look, USA Network's ratings are really propelled by Raw more than SmackDown. Raw has been a staple of the USA Network, I think, for, I think of Raw's 25 years. They've been on USA 20 years. So what they're saying is, look, we want Raw, and we're not going to let this hit the open market. So what do you want for just Raw? WWE said, okay, this is the number we want, and I'll get to that in a sec. And they said, okay, great. But you are free to go shop SmackDown on the open market. We don't, we don't want to pay that much for both shows. Thank you. SmackDown, you can go see what you can find. So the next day, so the day that SmackDown became, quote, unquote, available was May 16th at Midnight or May 16th at 5 p.m. Eastern. May 17th, 9.30 in the morning, 
Triple H, Stephanie, and their agents were at Fox headquarters. And Fox had all their big wigs there. I mean, we had, they had Rupert Murdoch, you know, the individual who founded Fox or who was the owner of Fox. He's 87 years old, but he was at this meeting. And the first thing that WWE, when, when Triple H and Stephanie walked in, per the Hollywood Reporter uh, article, is they had a Fox logo, an FS1 logo, an FSX logo, and they had Ronda Rousey with Triple H in the fireman's carry position. And they said, look, we want SmackDown. What's it going to cost us? But not only do we want it, we're going to put it on Fox. Not FS1, not FXX, Fox, broadcast television. We're going to make it live. We want it on Friday nights. And we are going to not be ashamed of your product the way NBC Universal is because they never promoted Raw across football, hockey, and all the other sports entities they own. But we are going to promote you across football, soccer, Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp on FS1, Colin Cowherd. We're going to promote you guys. We have the Thursday night football package. We're going to read ads about Raw, so on Friday people are going to be interested and you might attract a newer audience. Yeah. So, so Fox said, we will give you $1.025 billion over five years. And, you know, for those into the math, it's about, about $215 million, $230 a year. I think the way it works is it's not going to start out at that much, but as the deals, as the years go on, the number keeps going up. It's kind of an escalator. So Fox is pretty much all in on, not, not pretty much, they are all in on this product. They're going to give it five years, $1.025 billion. They're treating it like a sport. And it was so important to them that they got rid of UFC because of it. And so UFC, for those of you who don't know, just got a $150 million deal for 10, uh, for I think it's 10 years or five years with the 300 million for five years with ESPN. So if you think about that, UFC, which is an actual live sport, is getting about $350 million or $300 million a year, but the WWE is going to be getting about $435 million a year in their rights fees. So ESPN picked up UFC. Fox has said that they can't sell UFC anymore to their advertisers and wrestling is more family friendly. And the UFC doesn't have the stars that it used to have. It doesn't have Conor McGregor. It doesn't have Ronda Rousey. It doesn't have Lesnar. So they want in on wrestling. What that means really for us as wrestling fans is Fox has pretty much guaranteed that SmackDown is now the A show. Yeah. Because if you do the math this way, and we'll talk about the NBC Universal deal in a sec, but Fox is paying for two hours of live program. They're paying about $105 million an hour. Whereas if you do, if you do the WWE-NBC Universal deal, they're paying $88 million an hour because there's the third hour of Raw. Also, Fox is on network TV. And that attracts a much bigger audience 
from a streaming platform and from just over the top television than USA. It's in more homes. It's, it's the A show now. It's going to become the A show. Yeah. And uh, what do you think about, you know, what was said before about like, um, the difference, like when, when I think about Monday night raw, you know, as far as it's home, it is USA for me. Cause I mean, that's what I remember from my childhood. I know they had that brief hiatus away, but they came back. And like, to me, it's weird not to see WWE on USA. And, um, what do you think their, their thing is? Cause I mean, I, I, other than raw, other than wrestling, I have no really other wants and desires to watch the USA network, you know, and, I don't never rarely like how you saying. I very rarely see any raw commercials, any SmackDown commercials, other than on USA programming. You know, so I mean, what do you think is the cause of that? Because it's part of a cable package and is not rarely accessible to people who have the standard shit. Or I mean, what's, what's the cause for that? USA has a reputation of being either the number one or number two watched cable network in the United States. And it's been propelled by the WWE because of that. So the USA network has built a lot of successful shows because of Monday night raw. Um, I'm a big fan of suits. Yeah. I like that. And I was a fan. I was a fan of the Duchess way before she became the Duchess. I just want to point that out there. I was a fan of hers from day one, but shows like suits, Shows like Queen of the South, shows like The Sinner, shows like Psych, shows like Monk, all those shows were pretty much built because of Raw. Because you would see the commercial for these shows during Raw, and then the wrestling audience would kind of carry over to those shows. So USA needs something to bring in a steady state of viewers every single week. And look, Raw's ratings are not what they were 20 years ago, but you know what? Television isn't what it was 20 years ago, and only the NBA is really kind of figured out how to increase ratings in this new world of television. But everything else is down because there's so many more options. Yeah. So the WWE will always bring in 3 million viewers consistently every single week in the USA. And off those 3 million viewers, if they can get 2 million to watch Suits, 2 million to watch Law & Order, 2 million to watch Monk, 1.5 million watts the center, then they are going to be able to build a successful cable company and a cable television network off of Raw. So Raw to them has always been the priority because, to your point, what people don't know about SmackDown is SmackDown started out on broadcast TV. Yeah. See, it started out on UPN. UPN. And one of the reasons that SmackDown was launched is a, because they had Thunder in WCW. But number two, the WWE wanted to get into the homes of Latinos and African Americans. Yeah. And they found that a lot of, at that time, Latinos and African American households did not have cable because cable was different back then. And the way to get into these homes was UPN because UPN was in every home. So if you went back and watched old SmackDowns, Rey Mysterio, Eddie Guerrero, The Rock, they were on SmackDown more, not by accident, because that's what they were trying to market to. But when UPN and CW merged, they went to CW, 
then they didn't want it. Then they went to Sci-Fi, which is also owned by NBC Universal, and then that didn't work. And then USA just picked it up. But SmackDown has never really been part of the USA umbrella. It's yeah. always been Raw. So SmackDown is the show that I think USA didn't really feel that attachment to. They felt attachment to Raw. So I think for them, they decided to say, okay, we'll give you the $265 million a year for Raw. You can let Smack... Because they never thought somebody would pay $200 million for the B show. Like, they didn't think that. They were like, oh, well, no, SmackDown, it's the B show. The Fox gave in and said, no, we want it, and we're going to make it the A show. So I think that USA didn't understand the, 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 I guess, the market for it, because from what my articles that I've read and sources have told me, that Amazon was interested. Yeah. Facebook was interested. Um, I think, uh, I can't remember what the other streaming, uh, yeah, Facebook, Amazon, and of course Fox. And the reason they went with Fox, because from what I understand, they were able to get more money from like an Amazon. Like Amazon would have paid them more or um, Facebook would have paid them more, but they wanted to be on broadcast TV with the NFL, with soccer, with Skip and Shannon. So for those of you sports fans out there who watch Undisputed every morning like I do when I'm getting ready for work or driving to work in my car, you're going to see in a year and a half, we'd like to welcome, you know, we'd like to welcome Charlotte Flair and Sasha Banks to the desk. Oh, how are you guys doing today? Great. And this that's kind of, what it's going to be. Yeah, it kind of goes back and, to um, what we we had this discussion point. Um, I think one of the other times you was here about you know having these guys doing you know crossover things like how you're talking about now, like how you're talking about doing the the shoe thing with uh, uh Sasha yeah. Banks and Enzo and all those other people. And um, another thing that I want to also you know ask your opinion about, like. All those shows that you brought up on USA, like uh, Suits and um, Queen of the South and uh, Psych and all that stuff, those are good shows. I really enjoyed those shows. But as I said before, I never went to USA to watch any of that shit because most of that stuff I viewed on Hulu, Netflix, and things like that. So when you have a company such as USA, you know, what other options do they have? You know, do you think, you know, what's been rumored since, you know, Raw, I mean, not Raw, uh, SmackDown has gone away, that they may venture out into looking into another sport to bring in or another wrestling company to bring in? You think that might be an option? I definitely think that if USA lost both shows, if they lost Raw and SmackDown, I do think that there was a chance they were going to go to New Japan and say, okay, we'll give you a two-hour slot on Monday nights. To, because what they're going to know is that we're all creatures of habit. And so there's going to be a week or two where a lot of us think SmackDown is on USA, but it's on Fox. And so what they're probably going to hope for is, oh, look, Raw's not on, but there's this other wrestling. Who's this Kenny Omega? Who's this Okada? And they might retain the audience. So, yes, I do believe that USA would have gone in that direction. Now, I'm, 
I have no knowledge of this. This is a conjecture opinion on my part, which is if you have had wrestling at Monday nights for 20 years, the easiest way to retain your audience is put wrestling on that time. Because there's going to be a week or two that, like I said, you're just going to get people there thinking it is WWE. But remember, there was a five-year window where USA did not have Raw and did not have wrestling on their network. They had nothing because they lost it to, at the time, TNN or Spike or what's now Paramount. And they lost a lot of viewers in that five years because wrestling was really hot in the five years that they lost it. And so they ended up really wanting it back. And when the negotiations came available after five years, they took it back. And so I don't think they're ever going to be in a world where they don't have WWE. You know, for those old enough to remember, primetime wrestling used to be on Monday nights. You could watch it on the WWE Network. That was the first iteration of Monday Night Raw. Now, that was a tape show, but I have had wrestling on USA Network my whole life, yeah. Monday night. So, I think, Rob, yes, there's a chance. I mean, could you go after New Japan? Could you go after Ring of Honor? Could you go after Progress? Could you go after one of these smaller entities? Sure. But I think the people out there who are core, hardcore wrestling fans, they don't understand how much bigger WWE is than New Japan. Just to put it in perspective, New Japan, from a revenue standpoint, just revenue, makes about $40 million a year. If the WWE ever had an investor call and they said, we made $40 million a year, the stock would crash and the company would be out of business. Like, the WWE makes that in, like, a month. Like, they make what New Japan makes all year in 15 days. Yeah. Just off TV. So it's it's just not close. It's like comparing, you know, Nike to Payless. <laughs> it's just not in. It's it's not. I'm not saying New Japan is Payless. I know people are gonna be like, oh no, I love New Japan. I watch New Japan. I think they have an edgy, great wrestling product in the ring. But for casual American eyes, they are a niche product. That's what they are. Yeah. The WWE is like Barnum and Bailey. It's when it comes to your town, you want to go be part of the experience. So, yeah, I think USA has to has to have had that as an option, a backup plan. But they weren't never they were never going to let Raw get away. Yeah. Like that was pretty obvious. They were never going to let Raw get away. So they paid uh, two hundred and sixty five million a year, which is three times what they were paying before. So they were paying eighty million dollars for Raw and about. $80 million for SmackDown. Now they're paying just $265 million just for Raw. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Um, if you were USA, who would you pursue as far as another wrestling company if they go the route of bringing in another wrestling company to fill in that SmackDown spot? Who would you personally pick to fill that spot? I would, I would go New Japan. This is what I would do. If I'm going to say this is how I'm going to play it, I'm going to be like, okay, Daniel Bryan's contract is coming up. CM Punk's contract is up. Like, he doesn't have a wrestling contract. Um, when, when is, you know, when is, um, you know, what is, 
when is Alexa Bliss's contract up? What is Charlotte? What is Sasha? I don't know. I'm just saying. I would start, I would go to Japan. I would get in Japan. I would then go to Ring of Honor, if I'm USA Network, and say, hey, look, we kind of want to merge New Japan and Ring of Honor as one product because they have and does not have women's wrestling. Or if I was USA, I would go to New Japan stardom and I would say, okay, I want both of your products on a weekly TV show. I'm going to give you two hours, but you got to go get me. You got to go get me CM Punk. You got to get me Danny Bryan and we'll help get them. So the network would say, CM Punk, I'll pay you $2 million a year to be the lead character in New Japan. Daniel Bryan, I'll pay you $2 million a year. Whatever it costs. Because if, if they had CM Punk, Daniel Bryan, Kenny Omega, Okada, they're going to draw a rating. They might not draw $3 million a week, but they're going to draw 1.5, 1.8, maybe. And now they're a very, they're a very viable competitor to WWE because they have Daniel Bryan and CM Punk who are like the two outside of John Cena, Undertaker. They're like the ratings magnets. Like that's who people want to see. That's what I would do. I would get New Japan on the condition that they can also get CM Punk and Daniel Bryan. Yeah. That's what I would do. Now, see, I, I, I like what you're saying. And I know. I know New Japan would be the obvious pick. I would pick New Japan too, but I don't think New Japan would go for that. Do you think that? I mean, I know we saying that we would try to pursue them, but I don't think New Japan would bite on the deal. So you're New Japan. You have no television right now other than Access TV, and you're getting nothing. Like you're getting scraps to be on Access TV. USA comes to you and says, I'm going to give you $70 million a year for your two hours a week. They're not going to accept, they're not going to take it. I don't know, man. It's just weird. It's just like, how do you think it would change their product? I mean, I know they'll be more of a viable company and everything. They'll have more revenue to pay talent and do all this other stuff, things that you would want for your company. But like, you watch New Japan, correct? I love New Japan, yeah. I know. Like, I love it. I watch it all the time. I mean, how much of what you love you think would change? And how would that love that you have for that product would change as well with it? Well, first and foremost, New Japan is not used to running a weekly TV yeah, show. So I'm I saying. think the product changes automatically. And matches to set up their angles. So, you know, you have how, they, how do they set up Naito Jericho? After Naito's match, Jericho came out, beat him up, and then that was the feud. Like, yeah. you have to have a weekly television show where you have vignettes and you have promos, and you have, like, not WWE, but you have something that's a little bit more of a television show than it is just a wrestling show. Yeah. That's one. Number two, I think the production value would change, because I think if USA were to take a look at New Japan, they'd be like, this looks cheap. Like, this isn't, this isn't what we expect. We expect that production value, that WWE production value, the lights, the arena. The other thing that would change is where do they run the TV show? Because they're a Japanese company that runs most of their shows in Japan. Yeah. WWE runs a weekly arena in the United States. So, like, USA can now take a camera. So they look at Outside the United Center in Chicago or Sears Center, look at Raw. They're going crazy. What do you do with New Japan? Like you would almost, it almost be a fake show. 
end with a tape show and spoilers and things like that. I don't know, but I think that they would have to completely change. To your point, I think they would have to be a television show. They might have to be live every once in a while. They have to have better... Like the promos have to be toned down. Um, you can't use the F word. Yeah. You can't do those things. You can't have blood. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, one of the things WWE did on purpose is they got rid of blood. They got rid of chair shots. Chair shots is more for concussion. Yeah. But WWE doesn't want to be TV-14. They want to be TV-mature. Because the amount of money they're making now on sponsorships is more than anything they ever made in the Attitude Era because the Attitude Era was very raw, 18 to 34 demographic. Can't bring the kids to it. Yeah. Now, they're a family show. So they can bring mom, dad, daughter, son, and they can sell it as family entertainment. Nothing is a little, nothing is like too edgy. So I think um, New Japan would have to do a lot, but that's what I would do if I ran the USA Network. I would say I'm going to get in Japan, but I'm going to get Punk and Daniel Bryan because they're two American stars that you can't see anywhere else. And I know you want to see Daniel Bryan. I know you want to see CM Punk. So if they didn't have those two, I don't think they could do it. I I don't think New Japan would be the answer. Um, You'd be better off starting your own company. I I was just about to to bring that up. That was was, um, my next point I was going to bring to your attention. I was like, USA has the money and the resources and whatever. What do you feel about them maybe even starting their own wrestling promotion and just doing the same thing that you were just talking about, poaching talent from here, there, and everywhere else? Because I had this discussion with um Jay and Jared on the hashtag Blackout Podcast, which is out now that you can go listen to. And uh, we discussed um the NFL and possibly the XFL and this other football league that they – um possibly have or even um just how they have the big three league and all these other people that starting their own things and um i was just like do you think they would poach talent from other places like try try to have this company that w- that can pull people from the nfl when their contracts are up or damn pull in a colin kaepernick or get this guy down here from the d league and this guy from over here and just build this one big you know company from scratch and have it be a viable contender so i mean what do you think about usa maybe doing something like that i think it's a lot more viable in wrestling than it is in football because if i'm a football player my dream is playing the nfl i want to win a super bowl i want to win an mvp i want to have the lombardi and so if i'm not good enough to make the nfl then i'll go to one of these new startup leagues either the aafl or the XFL, so I can maybe play my way back into the NFL because it's a minor league feeder system. Yeah. But I'm not going to give up the NFL. Like, you could pay me more money to go to the AAFL, but come on. I mean, if you're a football player, you want to be in the NFL. You want your paycheck to say NFL, not AAFL, because you don't want, you know, a million people watching your product. You want 20 million people. And I think that with wrestling, though, it can be done if you have to have the right group of contracts available, though, like you gotta have like CM Punk, Daniel Bryan, mm-hmm. Kenny Omega, like you gotta have enough stars to get somebody to watch week one and week two and week three and week ten, and then build from there. The 
the only way they would pull that off is that way. They'd have to get like the biggest stars. And and look, I love Cody Rhodes. I love the Young Bucks, and they're big stars in the wrestling community. Community, they're big stars. But the the dream scenario, Rob, is you get John Cena, CM Punk, Daniel Bryan, and you build a company around those three because those three are big enough stars for the casual fan to watch, to take it seriously. And then all of a sudden, you can build your new stars. Yes, I think it, it can happen, but you got to have the right set of contracts. And you have to have somebody who's a wrestling mind who knows how to like, like you would, you would get Eric Bischoff or you would get, you know, somebody like Jim Cornette or somebody who knows the wrestling business, but they also have to know the television business. So I think Bischoff would be the answer. And you would have to say, okay, this is what we want, and this is what we need you to accomplish. But it's tough. It's a tough endeavor. WWE has squeezed everybody out of the market. And, yeah, I mean, things like All In are tremendous, yeah. selling, you know, 12,000, 30,000 tickets in 30 minutes. But that's one show one time a year. Yeah, You know, the WWE is just the Goliath that nobody can, I mean, they're just so much bigger than everybody else. They can swallow everybody. And with the new money they're getting, they can overpay you not to go somewhere else. Like, they can overpay you. They can say, you know what? And I'm, I always bring her up on my podcast. So, you know, my favorite wrestler who is Sasha Banks, she yeah. signed her new contract. And I guess it's for five years. And I guess it's for a healthy raise. Yeah. Let's say Vince McMahon says, you know what, I don't really ever want to push her. She sells a lot of t-shirts for me. She has the kind of inter, you know, the, the multicultural demographic, and she gets the little girls and the guys, but I want to push Charlotte. I want to push Alexa. I don't really want to ever push Sasha. But I can pay Sasha so much that she can't go somewhere else and maybe take viewers from me. So I can just pay you to be the third women on on the depth charts because that's how much money I have. Yeah. That's what's going to start to happen with wrestling. They're going to overpay guys just so they don't go somewhere else if they think they're important enough. So Dolph Ziggler, here, here's a million guaranteed a year because we just want you to go to New Japan. Oh, Kenny Omega's contract, though? Mm, I'm going to give him $3 million just because I can. And guess what? You can't turn it down, Kenny, because... You're 36, and you don't have too many big paydays left. Like, that's what's going to happen. They're going to swallow everybody you get. Like, the days of New Japan and Ring of Honor and Progress and all these places having this type of talent, they might have new talent, but they're not going to have name brand talent because I think WWE's coming to take the bus. They're going to take Cody. They're going to get Kenny Omega. They're going to probably do like a Bullet Club invasion and I'm not stealing this idea that was Nick and um, Phil from the Who Got Next podcast, and, and they had that idea of a bullet club invasion. But that could happen now because they got so much money. They don't. They can just overpay you. They can just. They can just say, you know what, Jim Ross, we don't ever want you to go to New Japan. Here, here's a million. Sit at home. That's the kind of money they have. Now, um, my question, and, my question with that is, is just like, all right, I know um, USA. We, we we gonna bounce back and forth on this. Like, um, mm-hmm. I know they have that money now. I know WWE has that money, and they can do all these things that you um, can say. One, do you think they would ever look into buying out another company again? And uh, two, as far as uh, USA knowing that fact that they have that money to do that thing, that like 
it could draw people away from Raw, you know, the one that they value the most because SmackDown has all this going on over here and they have that money to do all this stuff. So, once again, do you think it would be in USA's best interest to start their own thing or look into shelling out money to um, kind of do what we talking about WWE could do? So, when USA agreed to take Raw for another five years, Raw and, I mean, Fox and USA have pretty much agreed in the contract that they will not go after another wrestling company in five years. Oh, okay. So, Fox or USA aren't allowed to get another wrestling product on their air. It's like, it's the equivalent of, you know, the NFL being on AASL. Like, the, the AFL is not going to be on NBC. It's going to be on the network that doesn't have football, not the networks that do have football. So I, I think that I think your your first question will this take viewers away from Raw and move into SmackDown? Yeah, I think SmackDown will end up becoming the higher rated show. Like I think for the first time ever since I think Paul Heyman wrote SmackDown. SmackDown will end up being the A show. It'll have more ratings. It'll have more cachet. It's also now instantly become the go home show for pay per views because the pay per views are going to be on Sunday. Yeah. And Raw, I mean, SmackDown is going to be live on Friday. So you're going to have the angles leading up to the pay per views on Friday. Yes, I think USA has to understand that Fox is going to help them get ratings back to USA because. If you're watching on Fox and you don't know this USA thing exists, you're going to be like, hmm, this angle happened here. Potentially, I need to see the next step of it. i got to go watch Raw. But if they're really two separate shows and the, the talent doesn't go back and forth, yeah, I think, I think Raw is going to take a little bit of a hit because every year Raw takes a hit because of Monday Night Football, because of the NBA playoffs. And that audience is, is going down a little bit, whereas I think with Fox being on Friday nights, they have an opportunity to kind of have the night to themselves because Fox, you know, Friday is a terrible TV night. But if they can get hot and they can have hot angles and hot and the hot superstars, I think Fox will have better ratings than USA. I, you can almost guarantee it. That's why Fox paid so much because they know that, hey, we have a built-in audience coming but with our promotion and the way we are going to promote the product, we're going to increase viewership. And, I mean, if you're a WWE wrestler, you want to be on SmackDown starting next year. Yeah. So you you are like, you are lo- loving life if you're Nakamura, AJ, Charlotte, um, Randy Orton, uh, what's his name, um, Cian Almas, Zelina, because... SmackDown's going to be the A show, but I, I think SmackDown's going to be different next year. Like, yeah. I think Ronda Rousey will be on SmackDown. Yeah, that's. I think Brock Lesnar will be on SmackDown. Yeah, that's the um, next thing I was going to bring up. Is I was like, how much of a shift in the rosters you think is going to be because of this deal? Because now um, it's been rumored around or shopped around. I don't even know if it was a fact or not. That um, main reason, well, the star that they're eyeing for. SmackDown when it moves over is Ronda Rousey and that was kind of like mm-hmm. one of the big deals of uh, moving you know SmackDown to uh, Fox or oh, for Fox to get SmackDown yep very true it's very true Rob because remember Fox is what they have been the UFC network 
for the last five years. Well, who has been the biggest star over the last five years in the UFC? It's been Ronda Rousey or Conor McGregor. But Ronda Rousey, at one time, was considered the most popular female athlete in the world and was a major box office draw. So for your thoughts, they're going to look at it as, hmm, I could put Ronda Rousey on our ads and the UFC fan is going to just check it out because they're so used to, they're like, hey, whatever happened to Ronda Rousey? Oh, she's here now. I want to check it out. And remember, it's on Fox, so it's on over the top. It's not a cable package. It's going to be just with your basic, basic TV set. So, yeah, I think that Ronda Rousey will be on SmackDown. I think Brock Lesnar will be on SmackDown. I think Seth Rollins will be on. Like, I think SmackDown's going to have all the stars. Yeah. And Raw's going to have, Raw's going to be the wrestling show, and SmackDown's going to be the, the sports entertainment show. Yeah, now, um, I had something. I kind of got derailed. Shout out to the Derailers podcast. You can go ahead and listen to those <laughs> fellas there. I was a guest on there uh, two episodes ago. Um, damn. Uh, shit. I lost it. I, I further derailed myself even saying that. <laughs> um, Damn, I don't know. What else you got? <laughs> It'll come back to me. <laughs> well, I, I just think, um, Rob, for us wrestling fans, what we should hope for with the WWE getting this new TV deal is a couple things. One, we should all want our ref, the wrestlers to make more money, yes. especially the women performers, because I'll put it in perspective. So the NBA has uh, a, a deal where they have to split 50% of all basketball-related revenue with the players. So because they're making so much money a year on television rights, that's why the salary cap in the NBA is so astronomical now because they have so much more money to split with the players. So, you know, five years ago, the max contract was $26 million dollars you know, now you have a world where James Harden's going to make $45 million, I think, in two years. Russell Westbrook's going to make $40 million. So they have more money, and they have to give it to the players. Mm-hmm. I would like WWE to say, okay, you know what? We have all this money now, and our expenses and everything is already paid for, and, and our business is healthy. So we're going to pay the wrestlers more. But we're going to especially pay the women more. We're going to pay for their travel, their hotels, their meals. We're going to give them health care. I think those are the things as wrestling fans we should really hold yes. the WWE accountable for. Like, okay, you're making all this money not because of, you know, the name WWE, because of the of the stars associated with it. Give them back, you know, the, the revenues. Um, number two, the other thing we should all hope for is, and I think this one will happen, is I don't think they're going to run as many house shows anymore. Yeah. Like, if you look at house shows, right, they run four SmackDown, four Raw house shows every week. Yeah. Well, how do you do that now? Because the way the loop works is it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday for, you know, Raw. It's Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday for SmackDown. But now, if your TV is on Friday for SmackDown, are you going to go Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and then you fly home? Or are you just going to say, you know what, we're just going to go Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 
And then for Raw, we're just going to go Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And so the wrestlers are working three days a week, not four. And they don't have to work that extra date because we can pay them more. And our wrestlers could stay healthier. And they can have a better work-life balance. Like, then house shows become more prestigious because they don't run so many. So now when they do come to your town, it's a bigger deal. So I think that's the other thing that'll happen. I think you'll see less house shows because house shows don't make them that much money compared to what they're getting off TV. Yeah, I was just about to... the third... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was just just about to ask you that. Um, I know they have more income now with these um, new deals and everything and what they made um, with the... uh the Saudi Arabia deal and everything and whatnot. But if they start doing what you say they're, they should do. Uh, and I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. Any, any time they can get the performers more time off to, you know, rest, relax, recoup, nurse injuries if they need to. I think that's better. If that healthcare shit and everything that you talk about, yes, that is better. But if they do skim down on the house show circuit, like you was um laying out, what do they stand to lose, even with the New Deal and all this extra money in place? They don't lose anything, Rob, because if you just look at the increase they got in television rights, house shows, merchandise, they don't mean that much. Like, okay, I can put it in perspective this way for everybody out there. The WWE can tomorrow say, you know what, starting in 2019, our new television deals kick in. We're not running house shows. All we're doing is pay-per-views once a month, television once a week. That's it. They're still making more money than they are making today running four house shows a week. So they don't need to do house shows. But why do they do house shows? Because, you know, if you're in Waco, Texas, this is my chance to see Oscar. And if I'm in El Paso, I'm only going to get to see Sasha Banks once a year, so I have to go. That's why house shows are important, because I can actually be close to the wrestlers, where unless you live in a big city, like you live in Houston, outside of Houston, people who I know listen to this podcast live in New York, you guys get the bigger events all the time. You're going to get a Raw. You're going to get a SmackDown. You're going to get a pay-per-view. If you live in smaller cities, you're not going to get that. You're just going to get the house show. So the house show's important to you. Yeah, it's public but outreach. the WWE, they're at this point now where they can just pick and choose which house shows they want to run, and they could even just say, you know what, here's how we're going to do it. We're just going to do Friday, Saturday, you fly home Sunday, and for Raw, you're going to go Sunday, Monday. I mean, they could do so many different things, because remember, if they run less house shows, they can save money because they don't have to haul their, true, their true. you know, their their staff around and, and camera crews and all those kind of things. But yeah, I wasn't even thinking about that. I just, I just hope the wrestlers make more money off of this deal because if, if the WWE's financial model was set up like the NBA's with this new television deal, the average wrestler would earn $5 million a year. And the most, the, the, the most hot, the highest paid wrestler would make like 20 million. So you would have this world where Dolph Ziggler is making $5 million and, you know, Emma, I'm not sorry, Emma, uh, Carmella is making $5 million and, you know, John Cena is making twenty, and Brock Lesnar is making twenty, which is good. I mean, but then at that point, all the other wrestling companies are finished yeah. because if they really wanted to put New Japan and Ring of Honor out of business, 
or hurt them. They could just use the revenue model I'm talking about and say, you know what, we're going to do it this way. Oh, Tesla Blanchard, mm, you like impact? You like making three, four hundred grand a year at most? I could pay you two million. What are you going to do? You're going to say no? Yeah. You get to wrestle at WrestleMania? Like nobody's going to turn that money down, especially in a business where you're not guaranteed anything because your spot could be gone. You could be written off. Injuries. You got to make the money. And so if they went through this model, man, they could change the business. But I just, I think that could happen when Triple H and Stephanie take over because I think they're a little bit more progressive. They're from kind of this generation. I don't see Vince old wrestling carnival promoter saying, my women should make the same as the men. Like, I just don't see him believing in that. But I do think Triple H and Stephanie will do that because they... They do believe in those things. Now, um, some of these trickle-down effects, you know, with all this money and power that they have amassed, um, how does their new TV deals and everything affect their WWE network? Because I know um, where it currently stands or where it stands in the past to where they couldn't air Monday Night Raws or SmackDowns until a month after the fact. You know, so is there any change on the network front? And also... Um, to your point about how they can go and acquire all this talent and whatnot. I mean, what do you think that does to the WWE? I mean, now, even as is, with all the people that they got, all the people they bring in in the new new XT, (laughs) NXT, um, you know, it's not a lot of time, even with the three-hour and the two-hour show, to showcase all this talent, unless they rotate, which they not really doing they just kind of leave people off tv to sit in limbo i mean they're getting paid but you know when you know wwe to bring in all these high caliber talents you're going to want to see them on tv you're going to want to see them perform so is there any change to the network deal and do you think doing that stuff acquiring new talent and paying all this money for all these people do they expand and make more shows I definitely think they're going to make more shows because one of the things that I, I believe that the network is going to become now is the network's just going to be content driven. And, and I didn't, I don't know anything. I'm not reporting news here, but I've read an article that said that there's a chance that WWE got a deal from another network just run WrestleMania every year on TV. $60 million. $60 million. Or $10 million a year. Just to, So, the, this television network is saying, hey, look, we love WrestleMania. We know it's going to draw a big audience for us. We'll give you $10 million. Do WrestleMania on Amazon. Do WrestleMania on YouTube. Now, if that happens in your WWE, are you going to say, no, we have our network? Or are you going to take the money? Well, I mean, there's a thing to that, though. I mean, would this be in addition to the network? Or, hey, you can only run it on YouTube or Amazon and not the WWE network? That would be my It'll be, you can only, Yeah, you can only run it on our network. Like, we're buying WrestleMania. It's our entity. Uh, I don't know, man. Uh, 
money is always good with a business, but I mean, when people just, I don't know, man, that's, that's hard. Me personally, I don't know if I would want to do that, you know, given the, cause it's like, all right, that'll be an additional 10 million a year on top of the billions that I'm getting now. I mean, I would probably curb that, but then again, I mean, you're turning away a bigger audience potentially. I mean, it's, it's, it's a weird situation. So you have 1.5 million, 1.58 million paid WWE subscribers a month. So that's like $16 million a month. That $16 million, they're, they're basically giving you all of their library, their special shows, and they're giving you one pay-per-view a month. Well, let me ask you this question. If WrestleMania tomorrow signed a deal with Facebook, and they said, we're going to stream WrestleMania live on Facebook for $20 million a year. How many people do you think really canceled the WWE Network because there's no more WrestleMania on it? I don't think none, really. So, I mean, I, yeah, I guess you made your point. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, what, what I'm hearing is there's a chance that Fox wants smack like a pay-per-view or more than one a year on Fox. Oh, now that see, so, that's cool. That's all right. That's 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 okay. Because I mean, even you know, pre WWE Network, we were all kind of iffy of how pay-per-views and things were going to work. Because like, honestly, you know, pre WWE Network, I was already in the vein or at peace with I was going to pay for WrestleMania every year anyway. You know, or right. So, but you weren't going to pay for anything else. Anything else, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, this it could work. I mean, it's just once a year that you would actually be paying something. So, I mean, I mean, I, I guess this whole, between the time that you brought that up up until now, I changed my mind. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, WrestleMania is worth it, you know, just the once no, but- a year. And then, I mean, there's plenty of chances to catch it after the fact. You can buy a DVD for less if you feel that, you know, way about it, you know. So, I mean. Is, 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 well, yeah. What I'm doing, Rob, is I'm gonna, I'm kind of gonna answer your question because you, you brought up, a, you asked a really good question, which is, are they gonna now with all this money produce more shows? Because if they try to go after all this talent, they gotta have a place to air the talent. Yeah. Well, if you're WWE and you can get, you can sell WrestleMania, you can sell Royal Rumble or whatever to a network. And get more money. You know what you do now? You take your network and you say, you know what? I'm going to buy New Japan. And I'm going to air it on our network. I'm going to buy Progress. It's going to be on our network. You want to see, you want to see Ring of Honor? That's going to be on our network. You want to see all the women's wrestlers? Every week? Like, yeah, you're going to see, you know, you're going to see Sasha, Charlotte, Alexa, Ronda Rousey, Naya every week. But if you want to see, you know, if you want to see Becky, you want to see Amber Moon, got to go to the network. We have a women's only show. Yeah. yeah. Like, I think what's going to happen is the network is going to have so many more shows that's going to have a lot more wrestlers on them because they have to have a place to air all this content with all this talent they're paying money for. So you might see a lot more shows taped at Full sale, and then the other you know, really hot rumor is 
WWE buys its own space in its own television studio. Yeah. And now instead of going through full sale to develop their shows, they have their own television studio. And they just develop their shows through that. Yeah, and I mean, so now they're not even splitting anything with full sale. They're just like, this is the WWE Performance Center, and it's the WWE Studios, and boom, guess what? We're going to produce a women's show, a cruiserweight show, a tag team show. And I would, I mean, they can do so many different things. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, don't, I don't understand why that wasn't a thing long ago. I mean, with the Performance Center, you know, that was a good idea. That was great. You develop and you grow your talent there. I mean, that's your feeder system for you. And I mean, to to what you were just saying just now, I was like, why haven't they done that? Why can't they do that? But now, you know, they got buku money. Why don't you do that? Why don't you damn build a place to where you don't have to travel these guys all over the place? They can just go here and just do everything here. You know, I mean, that makes all the sense. <laughs> Because, I mean, you buy your own property, you build your own compound, you ain't got to damn worry about renting space and damn all this stuff. But, um, I mean, then you can work out something with Full Sail. I mean, you can hire people from Full Sail to come over. I mean, you can work so many things out. Right. And what they're going to end up having is too many options. Like, sometimes when you have, when you make so much money, you kind of don't know what to do with it. And I think with WWE, Triple H is a visionary. He has a real vision of what he wants the business to look like in 5 to 10 to 20 years. The other thing that WWE has to, it's, I think, out there is, is somebody going to come buy it? Because now they're a flush company and their cash is going to be, you know, they're going to have cash, they're going to have, a lot of liquid if you're Disney. And I know New Age Insiders talked about Disney buying WWE, but my thought was not Disney. My thought was Comcast. Yeah. If you're Comcast, and this has always been a flagship program for you, do you just go and cut the check to Vincent Mann for $5 billion or $6 billion and say, here, $6 billion, we have that in our back pocket. Here, Vince, here's the money. Thank you. Now we own this property. So the next time the television rights come up, there's going to be no more Fox. We're just going to throw it on NBC. We're going to throw it on, you know, whatever network we want to throw it on. All right, we want to put it inside uh, Universal Studios theme park. I don't know, but I think that they're a company that has so much money coming into them that they're going to have more talent than they've ever had before. And they're going to have more talent that's not being used unless they really have a game plan of all these new shows coming. Like, I know everybody's against this idea except me. Everybody hates this idea because I've always said that what I would love is a women's show because I love women's yes. wrestling. Mm -hmm. And I would like to see the storylines build on this show and the main title angles happen on Raw or SmackDown where, like, to me, I'm tired of six women matches every single week. I'm tired of tag matches. I'm tired of the same mix and match combinations of women fighting all the time. Like, I want to see 
um, Amber Moon in a feud with somebody. Like, Amber Moon's in Money in the Bank, and that's yeah. great, and she's getting pushed, and she deserves it. But, like, who's her enemy? Like, who is her rival? Because, at least with Charlotte, you know, you have, okay, it's Carmella Isabel Buffer, she had a feud with Asuka, you could see her and Becky are kind of going to become frenemies. Sasha, you know, she's in Money in the Bank, but she has the same with Bailey. But who's, like, Amber Moon just wrestles every week. Like, and that's great. I mean, she's a tremendous talent, but who's she cutting a promo against? Like, who does she have a beef with? They don't do a really good job of building mid-card women's storylines because, A, they don't have any titles besides the two world titles. And, B, I just think that they focus too much on how are we going to get Roman Reigns over this week or how are we going to get Braun over. And, you know, unless it's a hot... I mean, okay, when is the last time in Europe a woman's wrestling angle on the main roster really drew your attention? to say i mean so <laughs> yeah it's weird huh? it's kind of hard to say i know they had something recently but i don't really recall it man it wasn't really memorable after the fact other than the nxt stuff you'd probably say sasha charlotte 2016 right yeah that whole back the whole the first time this the first that whole time back that. and forth back and forth where it started out at like wrestlemania and it ended in december where they had the iron woman match but it was Sasha chasing Charlotte, then Charlotte chasing Sasha. Then it just kept, they kept flipping the title, yeah. but they produced really good matches, and they were the main event multiple times, and they drew a lot of ratings, and they really kind of, like, it was them, and then everybody else on the women's roster, right? It was, it was those two, and then it was everybody else. Yeah. And so, they, they were, they were invested in that storyline. Like, that, they got TV time, they got promo time, they got vignettes, they got segments, they had singles matches, tag matches, Hell in a Cell, Iron Woman, Last Man, Last Woman Standing, Falls Count Anywhere. Yep. They had all these different matches. People cared about the feud, but then after that feud, you haven't gotten anything on the main roster that anybody really cares about for more than a couple of weeks here and there. I thought stupid me that they had something magical with Alexa and Sasha, but they just didn't do it. Like they kind of did it, but they didn't. And I don't know, they didn't want to pull the trigger and they tried some stuff with Bailey and they tried some stuff with Asuka, but like nothing really sticks on the main roster for women, except for Sasha Charlotte. And so to me, they could do that on on their own television show. They can do that because they have more time. They're going to get more freedom. And for those fans of women's wrestling, that's going to be where you go every week to get your fix. But it's not just going to be to see the main stars. You're going to see, you you might have an Amber Moon Carmella feud that isn't for a belt, but it's like just a feud where, or, you know, Amber Moon Asuka like they did in NXT, but it's not for a belt. It's just like, who's better? And that's one of the biggest um, failures, I think, of the women's division, is they have, everything is about the belt. But after the belt, there is no storyline. Like, there's nothing. 
And so even money in the bank, well, what's, okay, you win the briefcase, you can get the belt. Everything is about the belt. And so Sasha and Bailey, which should have been one of the hottest things they ever did after their back, their saved by the bell locker room brawl, <laughs> they just didn't do anything with it. Like they just, people loved it on YouTube. They got 2 million views. People went crazy. They saw the, the heel boss Sasha come out. They saw Bailey kind of being this underdog. And they went nowhere because they're fighting the riot squad every week. And eventually people are going to get tired of it. And I just think the women, they have too many women now on the roster to just have segments on Raw. They need their own show. But not like 205 Live where they tape it after and nobody stays and the crowd is dead. They just need to tape a show for women every week at a full sale. Yeah. WWE production value women's storylines and you would build, you would invest in the characters because that's what happened in NXT. Like the reason we fell in love with women's wrestling again is because of NXT, not because of WWE main roster. They were trash. Nobody cared about Nikki Bella. Sorry. And nobody cared about Nikki Bella's title. Right? Nobody cared about AJ and yeah, people liked AJ, but nobody. It was, Ooh, and you hear about the Charlotte Flair and Natalia. They had this, crazy kick-ass match. Ooh, I gotta check it out. Ooh, the Sasha Banks. Who's she? The boss. Bailey. They built people. Yeah. <laughs> and then when they come to the main roster, they're just the stuck in neutral. Like, they're all, they're all either fed to Alexa or they're fed to Charlotte. Now they're fed to Nia. They were fed to Sasha, you know, for a while. And then, yeah, it's just, to me, they gotta, they gotta do more with the women. So, what I'm saying, Rob, is, with all this money they have, they can say, okay, we're going to put a women's show on WWE Network. We're not going to give you WrestleMania, but you're going to, this is the only place you're going to get the women's show. Yeah. You're not going to get money in the bank on the network because we're going to sell that to Facebook. But what you're going to get is a tag take tag team show. If you love tag team wrestling, this is the place you're going to see the bar. You're going to see the revival. You're going to see AOP. This is where you're going to see yeah. Gable and Jordan. Yeah, I mean, I kind of, I, I, I kind of agree with that, but I don't know if you know they should kind of like split it up that much. You know, I mean, I agree with the women's aspect of it because they have so many, and I mean, there's plenty of companies that just are women. So I mean, I believe that can be a thing, but just to have a show with just tag team stuff, I don't know. They're kind of spreading a little thin there. But then again, it would be a whole nother thing just to have a whole nother show with a whole nother roster. Cause I mean, then you had to get into the thing. Well, do they make their own set of belts for this show and so on and so forth. So, I mean, I don't know. It could work. I'm not against it, but I don't know if they should spread themselves that thin. No, you're right. Um, okay. Maybe the tag team thing is a little pushing it, but, then maybe if you have the women's show, you open up the tag team thing on Raw and SmackDown. Yeah. Okay. Maybe that's how it goes, right? But yeah. the women are such an important part of Raw and SmackDown, even from a rating standpoint, that I don't think they'll ever not be on the show. But, yeah. like, I love... I think they've booked Amber Moon so well since she got out of Raw. Mm-hmm. She's been strong. She hasn't been pinned. She's beat Alexa. She's won a triple threat with Sasha and Ruby Riot, she'd be, you know, um, I don't know who else she'd be. I guess she's only beaten Alexa. Yes. But that's the other problem. Like, 
she's just wrestling for the sake of wrestling. Yeah. Like, who is her rival? And the reason you loved Amber Moon in NXT is she had the rivalry with Oscar. And she was chasing her and chasing her and chasing her. But she could never beat her. But she, you know, you felt for her when she lost. It's kind of why you like yeah. Bailey. Bailey never won the big one until she won Brooklyn. And then it's like, yay. <laughs> yeah. They have, they have their pecking order. And I know everybody thinks the pecking order now is Rousey, which I agree with. She's number one. And then Charlotte, and then Alexa, and then Asuka and Sasha. I personally don't think that in Vincent Mann's eyes, he thinks Asuka is more important than Sasha Banks. I think it, she's been booked that way because she had the undefeated streak. But, yeah. I mean, if they really thought that much of Asuka, they would have given her the win at WrestleMania. They didn't. Mm-hmm. And um, I just think right now you have four or five women that they build the division around, and Nia's in there too now. But, like, people are getting lost in the shuffle. Like, what's going on with the Riot Squad now? They're not even in Money in the Bank. Ruby Riot's been great on TV. She's been fantastic as a wrestler. But what does she do? She's not on Money in the Bank. Bailey's not on Money in the Bank. You know? Um, Absolution. What's going on with them? They're not on Money in the Bank. Like, you have all these women just sitting there doing nothing. You know, where's Tamina? Where's Na- I mean, Naomi's in Money in the Bank, thankfully. Yeah. But what's Naomi been doing? She's in mixed tag with Lana and Rusev and the Usos. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I just think a women's show is absolutely what needs to happen. Yeah, I believe you. I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. I've been saying that for a long time. But um, as far as uh, the financials go, I mean, we've we've covered um, the the you know the the money part of it or whatever. Is there anything else that you'd like to add on to that, or is that all you had? Um, no, I, I think that you know, for those of you who uh, love WWE love wrestling this is one of the best times ever for the business just because wrestling as a product is getting and making more money than it ever has in its history and that can only be a good thing for wrestlers yeah and it can only be a good thing for talent and it can only be a good thing for match quality because when you get more money you're inspired and incentivized more to do better so i mean booking is going to be booking like i don't like the way WWE main roster books, like they have a lot of incoherent storylines and they have a lot of things that don't make sense. But from a talent standpoint, they've never had this much. And I think you just have to hope that once Vince gets that last big flush of cash, he says, okay, you know what? I've made all the money I need to make now. Triple H, it's your deal. I'm out of here. And then you'll probably see the product you want to see. Yeah. All right, man. Any closing words before we wrap it up? No, no. Um, you know, thank you again for having me on. I think um, I love this opportunity to talk business. It's something I do, you know, in my real world life. So this is just real and fun, and I enjoy it. Um, I appreciate the opportunity. But no, I just uh, I'm interested in your perspective on two things before we go. So I'm gonna ask you two things. One, you're not an NBA fan now, but you used to be, right? Yes. Is that true? Yes, that is correct. Oh, okay. Is LeBron James better than Michael Jordan? Uh, to me, I'm going to say no. Okay. <laughs> what, what, what's your take on that? <laughs> well, um, 
my take is this. I think if you were to start a team from scratch, it's a lot easier to build a team around a 6-9 point forward who can score, rebound, and assist than it is a shooting guard who's a scorer but can do and play defense. Like, LeBron James is, I think, a better basketball player, but I don't know if in when it's all said and done, he's going to be... Michael Jordan. But I don't think he'll be seen in the history books as the better basketball player simply because he has a losing record in the finals, yeah. which is always going to be held against him. Yeah. And he, he's a guy who had to leave Cleveland and go join two other all-stars to win two titles. And then when that team got weak, he went back to Cleveland to join two more all-stars to win his third title. Even though he's still the best player, it's yeah. going to be held against him. And I don't think he has the mystique and the aura that Michael Jordan has. Yeah. And you I, know, Michael Jordan played... played oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, and I was just about to say that. I was like, I'm not taking anything away from LeBron. He, he is a phenomenal athlete. He's a phenomenal player. But, like, to me, just putting them two together and just looking at them, you know, in my opinion, I mean... If you if you made me pick, I would pick Michael Jordan. If you gave me Michael Jordan in his prime at the best that he can be versus LeBron at his prime at the best he can be, I'm always going to pick Michael Jordan. That's probably accurate because I think peak Michael Jordan is a little bit better than peak LeBron James. But I think it's LeBron James' um, kind of stability and his consistency that maybe he gets the edge there. So that's one question. Okay, so that's one. You answered it. You have Michael Jordan. Number two, what do you think of Pusher T. Drake? You know what, Ian? I'm glad you brought it up because, I mean, I kind of got derailed with the whole thing. I wanted to get your opinion on that as well. Um, it's always healthy. Like, I mean, I, I know the gist of what's going on, but I don't know all the intricacies with it. I know Drake did uh, the invoice thing on uh, Instagram. I seen that with my eyes. His uh, freestyle that's out right now, that what the dubby freestyle or whatever, I only heard a verse from it. I never listened to it from beginning to end, so I can't give you proper opinion on that. But I've heard the whole Pusha T, uh, the, was the story of Alderaan or whatever that was. Um, kind of harsh. <laughs> kind of harsh. <laughs> Um, usually, uh, Drake, when you get out in front of somebody and um, start throwing his disses and everything, you know, that kind of where the beef dies, you know, with Drake, you know, he usually comes out triumphant. Um, I'm just looking forward to see what he come back with because uh, Pusha Chi was just uh, hitting him with some truth bombs and kind of hitting him in the ribs with the shiv and everything. So, yeah, man, it's, it's just crazy. So, um kind of we can close on this one you're absolutely right it's great for hip-hop mm -hmm. that two prominent artists are beefing as long as it stays on wax and it's yeah these two don't kill each other exactly yes it's great because that's what hip-hop was built on battling competitiveness so that's great drake he has to understand that pusha t is not meek mill yeah. and pusha t is not these other guys that he's battling with. Like, Pusha T is a real MC. He yes. can rap, and he's going to go for your throat. He does not care. Mm -hmm. So with when Drake did the Duffy freestyle, and just for your listeners, Duffy is the Jamaican word for ghost. 
So the reason he called it the Duffy freestyle or the ghost freestyle is because people have accused Drake of having a ghostwriter. And so he's saying, okay, you're going to make this about my ghostwriting. I'm going to call it the ghost freestyle. So Duffy is the Jamaican word for ghost. So that's why it's called that. Number two, Pusha T, that's about as disrespectful a diss song yeah. as you could make because Next to hit him up. <laughs> it's Tupac. Right. It's, it's on, on the front lawn. Like if two, if, if hit him up is the house, in terms of the most disrespectful hip-hop song of all time, Pusha T's story of Adion is on the lawn mm-hmm. with no Vaseline from Ice Cube because yeah. Pusha T dissed his dad, he dissed his mom, he dissed his friend who's dying of multiple sclerosis, he dissed his son, he dissed his baby mother. So Pusha T said, everybody, I'm going after everybody. I'm just taking my gun and I'm shooting at everybody who's in your circle. But the reality is, it was so real and true that that's what made it so vicious, which is his dad did leave his mom at five years old. That's true. You do have a baby with a porn star. And your porn star baby mother slept with five guys around the same time that she slept with you. And nobody knew who the baby father was. You know, there's a really good article on Black Sports Online about the whole history of Drake and his baby mother, where she slept with James Harden, ASAP Rocky, and Drake. And they didn't know who the father was. Yeah. So she also is married to somebody who's an American citizen because she wanted to become an American citizen. So she's married to somebody then has a kid with Drake. He's financially supporting her. But yeah, he was going to roll out an Adidas line named after his son as the way to introduce his son to the world. So Pushiki kind of fucked that all up. He's like, fuck it. You're not rolling out shit on Adidas because they're not going to want to be associated with this. I mean, 40 is, you know, I'm I'm a Toronto guy, so I know who 40 is. He is, does have multiple sclerosis. And yeah, like there were times where they thought he he was going to die. But the fact that he said, you know, OVO 40 looks like he's 80, you know, hunched over, his time must be tick, 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 you know, yeah. I have the spirit of 666, like, yeah, push your keys. Yeah. He said, fuck you, fuck your mom. He, he went, he said, hey, prodigy, are you got sickle cell or something? Yeah. Like, he went Tupac. Yeah, he did. He, he, but he, he channeled the ghost of Tupac. <laughs> he doesn't, he, the, the difference is, Nobody, and uh, it's not a diss. I love the shit. Nobody has the charisma of Tupac, so nobody no. could ever pull it off to that degree of "I fucked your bitch, you fat motherfucker." And like Tupac was just, he was Tupac. Yeah. Pusha T did it in the Pusha T way, which is I'm just gonna eh, jab, 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 you know, jab, it, jab. He's like, jab. he's like, this is just uh, FYI. If y'all didn't know, I'm gonna just let you know about this. You know, just make you privy to it that's all it is it's nothing i mean he he kind of he kind of dry snitched on him but it was it was vicious like he was like oh you don't like wedding rings why why are you ashamed of your like why are you ashamed of your son like own it yeah she's a porn star but own it it was like ooh, because the other reason it, it hurts so much is drake has this very crafted public image yeah. of this good guy and so Pusha T with this one rhyme made Drake the bad guy. Yeah. Because now 
I mean, I don't know if you saw Twitter the night Pusha T released his song, but people were like, who's a better dad, Drake or Chris Benoit? <laughs> that's, right? That's horrible. That's horrible. People, people, said, people said Chris Benoit has put his son to sleep more than Drake has. <laughs> Have you seen that meme with LeBron James holding the baby? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that that's what's happened. Like Pusha T has made Drake a joke. Yeah. And especially with that black all the group all yeah, all the black and in his original you know, he talked in his original disc he he said, I don't you know, I don't sing for crackers and dance for man. Yeah. And then the guy he's battling has a black face picture and he put it out there like oh are you ashamed of something like it doesn't matter what drake's explanation was to do that photo shoot he'll never live that one down he he has ghostwriters he has blackface he has a child with a porn star his adidas line got fucked up i mean push your key he i mean i don't know if drake can come back to be quite honest with you i don't know if drake can come back like what's he gonna say yeah. Like Drake is paid. Word on the street is that Drake is paying somebody. A, if you can find dirt on Pusha T, anything, he did coke. He did this. Drake would give you a hundred thousand dollars cash. I bet Mick Meek Mill is just on the sidelines somewhere, just laughing his ass off right now. <laughs> I think Meek Mill is laughing. I think a lot of people who don't like Drake, like I think, like like Pusha T has a point. He said, "Look." If you're going to talk about being top five, you got to write your own shit. Yeah. Kendrick, J. Cole, write, they write their own shit. Drake, you, we don't know if you write your own shit. So we, you cannot be in our company. Yeah. And this hurts Drake. No matter what anybody says, Drake is damaged by this. Because, yeah, Drake will sell a lot of records. His women will always love him. The See, kids will always love him. But, but the real head, the guys who know what they're talking about, the guys like me who grew up as hip hop being kind of the backstory and the backdrop of my life. Yeah. I'm a Toronto guy. I have family members who have connections to Drake. Yeah. I I don't think he can come back from this. You see, this is this is a thing too. I don't think he can come back from this. This is a thing this is a thing too. Um like all right. This is a business predominantly anyway. I mean most most of all this is a business. And like I've known artists for years to have people write songs for them because the people that write those songs think that it would sound good coming from them. R. Kelly wrote number one hits for Michael Jackson and all kind of things like that. So I don't see what the big deal is as far as R&B wise goes, you know, people singing songs that other people wrote because maybe that person that wrote that song can't sing, but they can put together a good sonic. Now with hip hop, not rapping, you know, I don't see I mean I see the difference, but I don't see what the big deal is. Okay. How long have you been did you listen to like I'm I, I think I'm a little bit older than you, but I'm not gonna say my age uh on the air, but uh, you're in your thirties? Yes, sir. Is that fair statement? Okay. So, you know, I grew up I've been listening to hip hop since I was ten years old. And, you know, I've been listening a long time. And I remember, like, hearing rumors of, um, oh, God, uh, when Antoinette and MC Light had their beef. 
and Roxanne Shante had her beef with Karis One. Big Daddy Kane wrote one of the diss songs for Roxanne Shante to come back to Karis One. I remember like reading about it and I was like appalled as a kid, like, oh, you suck. You can't even write your own shit. Well, because see, now in that instance, the, the re- in that is in that instance, I get that. When you are battling somebody, nobody should be writing your shit. That should come all from you. But like for you to make money to put music out there in the world just cause or you know, that's what your passion is. I don't see a problem with somebody writing your shit. But if you head to head battling with somebody, nobody should be writing your shit. I would say that okay. Fair enough. I, I see your point. Because singers can have somebody write for them and nobody cares. Yeah. Like Rihanna's umbrella was written by I think who wrote that song? I think Dream and Neo or somebody wrote that song and they were supposed to give it to Britney Spears. She turned it down and went to Rihanna. So in singing, that happens all the time. But I think because singing is seen as a talent, the writing of the words attached to the song isn't seen as the talent. It's the singing. Yeah, because I mean... I think with hip-hop... Yeah, because you can have... hip-hop. Yeah, because with R&B, you can have somebody just sing and not really have too much content. You can have people sing notes so i can kind of see why that's different but i grew up you know my favorite rapper i have five favorite rappers like i, I saw my wife this the other day dylan 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 and dylan i already know who dylan 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 you're you're texting that from the chris rock movie right <laughs> not a uh, dave chappelle Dave Chappelle, right? No, but that's where the Chris Rock movie top five, the whole oh, yeah, yeah, concept yeah. of that movie came from. So me and my, I was telling my wife, I said, "Look, Erica, if we're ever on a game show together, and we can win like a million dollars, and we have a question. Hey, how do you know your husband? They're gonna ask you, name his top five rappers. You got to get the five right. And now she got it right yesterday. So my top five rappers, and this will never change until for the rest of my life, probably, which is. I'm not putting them in order, so this is just my top five. Okay. I have Biggie, I have Jay-Z, I have Karis One, I have Rakim, I have Nas. Those are my five. Mm-hmm. I have LL, Ice Cube, Pac, Eminem, right underneath that first group and Big Daddy Kane. But the point is, we all have our five favorite rappers. We all have who we like. That's fine. But, like, if I found out that somebody wrote Microphone Scene for Rakim... I don't think I could ever really listen to his stuff ever again. Yeah. Like, it would totally turn me off. If yeah. somebody told me, you know, Karis the bridge is over, he didn't write that, I'd be like, what? I would be crushed. Somebody told me Biggie didn't write Kick in the Door, I'd be crushed. So, so to me, it's, it is important. And so that's where Drake, with the reference track, with the fact that somebody is rapping lyrics that he has rapped to show him how to rap it, yeah. it hurts his credibility. But you are right, though, Rob. If if Drake is saying, you know what, I don't, I use ghostwriters, so what? Yeah. But I still make good music. Yeah, but that's the thing. He didn't do that, or he's not doing that. Because, I mean, it, it's one thing to say you're making all this great music and not crediting the people who wrote it for you. And then I'm trying to say, nah, I don't use no ghostwriters. And somebody said, yeah, you do. And you just be like, no, I don't. No, I don't. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. <laughs> right, you know that's the but, issue. But, that's the like, issue. You know, this generation, Kendrick Lamar is seen as like the guy. He's the best rapper. Yeah. Okay. 
if somebody came out and said, I vote for Kendrick Lamar, that would immediately take him out of that running. He would not be seen as the number one rapper. Yeah. And I think that's what happened to Drake. Like when the reference track hit, like my wife, she makes the joke all the time. She's like, uh, she heard the Drake this song, which is the Duffy Free stuff. She's like, oh, I wonder who wrote it for him. <laughs> like it's he's a, he's a punchline now. Yeah. Because even what did Pusha T say? Hey, hey what do you think of his, the Duffy Free song? Oh, did you write it? I don't. I don't know. I don't know if he wrote it. I have so, no proof. So what, what do you feel about Dr. So, Dre then? But but Dr. Dre has never came out and said I'm the best rapper. Dr. Dre is the best producer mm-hmm. who has always told yeah. everybody Ice Cube wrote my rhymes. Snoop yeah. wrote my rhymes. DOC wrote my rhymes. Corrupt wrote my rhymes. Eminem, Eminem wrote my rhymes. Yeah. Royce the Five Nine. Jay Z. Like Dr. Dre never ever came out and said I'm the best rapper. Yeah. So I don't care that Dr. Dre and Puff use people to write their rhymes. One of my favorite producers of all time, Pete Rock. I mean, Grand Pooler wrote all of Pete Rock's lyrics. Like I. I'm okay with that because they're not saying they're great rappers. They're like, I just want to rap, but I could produce. Yeah. Drake is saying I'm the best rapper, but if he doesn't write his own stuff, he cannot make that claim anymore. It's done. Yeah. You know, Pusha T, Kendrick, J. Cole, these guys write their own shit. So like to me, and I look, like I said, I want Drake to be the best rapper. He's from my city. He has opened my city to the world, but Drake it's tough for me as a hardcore rap historian to now say Drake is the best rapper because I don't know if this guy has one person writing his rhymes, three people writing his rhymes, six people. I don't know. Like, Fisher T made the claim that Drake has an army of writers. Mm -hmm. I can't refute that. Yeah. Like, can't refute that now because there's proof that somebody has written for Drake. And Drake's trying to make a joke out of it, like, well, yeah, I helped the guy out, but Drake, you cannot say you're the best rapper. Yeah. Kendrick can say he's the J. Cole can say he's the best. Push T can say he's the best. Eminem can say he's the best. Jay-Z, but you can't. You're a guy who makes great music. You make radio hits. You sell a lot of records. You make a lot of money. But you can't say you're the best rapper. And if you're a real rapper, that should hurt you. Yeah. Because being the best is something to cherish. Yeah. To have the crowd. Yeah. So that's my uh, hip hop uh, diatribe for the day. <laughs> All right, it, it's greatly appreciated, man. I mean, see, it's just showing people your layers, man. You're not just the finance guy when you come on the show. We we talk Ooh. about all the things. <laughs> no, I could talk about a lot of things, but yes, uh, thank you. It was an honor that you got your show again. Uh, looking forward to the next time we do this. All right, tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter, man. Yes, you can find me on Twitter at King Ajar, K-I-N-G-A-J-A-R. It's all one word, and it's not A, it's, it, the reason it's King Ajar or Ajar is my name is Raja, so Ajar is Raja Battles. That's all. There you go. All right, man. Once all right. Again, thank you for everything that you do for the show. Thank you for your insights. Thank you for everything. Thank you for your time. All right. Thank you, sir. And that was the king returning once again, King Ajar, everybody. Um, I appreciate any time he comes on. We uh, get into all kinds of topics outside of professional wrestling and inside professional wrestling, which is how more inside can you get when you're talking about the financial breakdown of a company. So uh, always a pleasure to have Ajar on. And I appreciate 
everything that he does for the show. And that's enough kissing his ass right now. <laughs> um, hopefully you got through to the end. I apologize for some of the audio difficulties that we may have. Um, it was a little bit of a latency issue. And um, yeah, it is what it is. But it doesn't take away from the fact that it was a good show, a good conversation, which you can hear every week on randomrobcast.com or iTunes, Stitcher, and anywhere else that you listen to podcasts, or shit, look at your phone. What are you listening to me on now? <laughs> and in that same vein, whatever you're listening to me on, go ahead, if they have a section for it, leave me a comment, a review, some five stars, anything. It would be greatly appreciated. Um, I don't know what I was going to say. Oh, hopefully, if you listen to this, if you got this far into the episode, this is the end. But um, Monday, Monday Night Raw, WWE will be here in Houston, Texas. And I may or may not have a free ticket. So if you're in the Houston, Texas area or anywhere close to the surroundings, I might have a free ticket for you, you know, Keep your eyeballs out on my Instagram feed and um, keep your eyeballs out on my Twitter feed and just stay tuned. Hopefully you uh, meet me down at the Toyota Center and get your free ticket and we can high five and take pictures and it'll be a fun time. But just keep your eye. I I don't know what I want to say right now. Um, I'm kind of doing this outro and post. I had some things to do yesterday. We went see Solo, me and the kids, and it was pretty meh. It was all right. I think Rogue One was better, um, but the characters in this one, they had some uh, memorable characters. I like Lando, Childish Gambino, a.k.a. Donna Glover, or Donna Glover, a.k.a. Childish Gambino, however you want to do it. You may know him as one and not the other and vice versa, but he had a good character. Um... The lady love interest, uh, what was the name from Game of Thrones? You know, blonde hair girl, dragon lady, mother of dragons. Also, Sarah Connor and Terminator Genesis. Whatever, but it was all right movie. I'm not gonna say it was a bad movie, but it was just okay. And what else? That's it. I'm. I don't. I'm sorry. I'm just scatterbrained right now. Um, I'm trying to get things prepared on this Sunday. I got to figure out what to cook for Mrs. B. Rob. I got to see if I want to go out and buy a weed eater and a goddamn barbecue pit so I can use hooks, rubs, and spices, which sponsors the show, by the way, um, on some of my meats. And yeah, I'm, my brain isn't into it right now. But what I do want to say one thing that I did want to get out there I didn't um, do it on the last episode or two um, I have a submission I have bonus content for you I have some more music for you to listen to and it's uh, two of them actually um, last week my guest was uh, Ralph Nervous a musical genius songwriter uh, producer all that stuff um, we had a different idea for the show um, the way we would kick in the intro and um, he wanted to have 
a musical intro on everything. I was going to, if you heard the episode, you heard me introduce, you know how I normally do the intro. And he would have been like, when I said Ralph Nervous, I was going to play the audio that he submitted me. But um, difficulties with my phone and everything. I didn't get the uh, email in time before editing. So I have what he sent me now. And that'll be included in the bonus content that you're going to hear as soon as I finish running my mouth. And also, I got an email submission, which you can um, email me at randomrobcast.com. Yeah, you can go to the website. That's the website. I fucked that up. But you can uh, email me at randomrobcast at outlook.com. But you can go to randomrobcast.com too and uh, email me there. There's an email section as well. It'll all get to me either way. But email me your things if you have music that you would like to be played on the show you can do that at randomrobcast at outlook.com there you go i spit all that crap out but i got an email submission um from rory and the song is called persian i haven't listened to this yet as i spoke about the email difficulties or whatever i'm trying to pull it up in my phone so i can kind of get a sample and see if I'm pronouncing the name right, if I'm pronouncing the title right, because I have difficulties reading because I have ADHD in high definition. (laughs) But anyway, so I'll leave you with those two things. So more bonus content. As per usual, you can follow me on Twitter at it's B-Rob. That's I-T-S-B-R-O-B. If you want to talk professional wrestling and any other general shenanigans, that's the place you do it. The show, Random Rambles with Rob, has its own Twitter account, which you can follow at 3RShow. And if you're hip and trendy, you can also follow at 3RShow2. That's T-O-O. You can follow me in the walk in the hall of halls of Walmart on Instagram. Just type in Random Rambles with Rob or hashtag Walmart log. You can go to randomrobcast.com to where you can find different and many ways to help support the show and help it grow. Just like King Ajar, whom you heard on the show, Brandon McIntyre and Glenn Abbott. I appreciate these guys so much. They're patrons. You can be a patron too by going to randomrobcast.com and clicking the patron banner on the homepage. You can also use my Amazon links. There's items on my Amazon wish list that'll be equipment that would go into this show, which I'm going to use some of that equipment that I got today. Not from anyone in particular. I bought it myself and I'm going to do another YouTube video for you. Just uh, playing more with the audio settings and trying to get everything right. I'm trying to come up with a format if I'm going to do a show and trying to keep it down to maybe five minutes or so to where, you know, without within the week. Of recording these podcasts or whatever I might have some topics I want to hit on and just get my honest opinions so look forward to that on YouTube I got videos up on there now it's like three or four of them that I just recently did so check them out and um, besides all that monetary stuff you mean you don't have to give me a dime of your money you know the most important thing that you can do for this show this podcast or anyone else's podcast is like subscribe retweet uh, write reviews get five stars if you can or one star any review is welcomed um we wouldn't prefer one stars but hey that's your honest opinion and you entitled to that so um on half on half 
yes, turtles on a half shell, turtle power. But um, that's it. I'll get you this bonus content rolling in your ear holes, and I'll see you next time. Bonus content. All I do is sleep I'm running things in my dreams I'm running from feelings and lies With open eyes Fantasize about better times When no one cries and no one dies Time heals nothing my wounds are deep and ugly And I don't wanna hear I don't wanna see There's no need to face my fears My home, myself, my reality mm. Y'all don't know, y'all don't know I don't want to wake up, I don't want to fight no more, there's no more to break up, my heart's already lost the war, depression is real, I can't even deal, panic and calamity, my anxiety makes me ill, I was drowning in societies and lies, vices and varieties, I did everything and everything, just so I wouldn't fail, I was a loser, I was a coward, I did all my loved ones sour, selfish, egotistic little man who thought I had power. My soul was nearly devoured, it's not that I couldn't change I wouldn't know all the wouldest, I'm accepting all the blame Say, time heals nothing My wounds are deep and ugly yeah, I don't wanna hear And I don't wanna see there's no need to face my fears, my home, myself, my reality. Eyes wide open, lying wide awake, getting more restless with each breath I take. Tossing and turning throughout the night, war wages inside me, it's a hell of a fight. Pressured by the day-to-day, nervous and I drink away our days. Plagued by pain by those passed away, and now me keep the memory close. Every time I lift a glass, I give a toast, living check to check. Wrong my move, home, your myself, whole shit my reality. Great. My home, myself, my reality. My home, myself, my reality. She got that proof. 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 I bought my trap at the stove. I cut the crack in my stove. Don't fuck with nobody that's broke. Just buy some pussy and roll. 
I'm running trap to the stove, make my young and move pack at the stove. I'm waiting on all I just need have a thing, let me know. I never die on the blickers, riders down these niggas. May 35 of the wrist, I just chef up a pot for a nigga. Young and keep calling me, say she won't ride, she won't die for a nigga. Okay, put the strap in your back, but they work in your pussy and ride for a nigga. Issue me out, they got it, issue me out, she fucking, she sucking me sloppy. She say I'm a problem, learn to go go for my father, he leaving, he going to me, Bobby. Don't want no drama, cause I don't fuck with nobody that don't got a brick or a body. If you somebody, you need to fuck with somebody that at least got a brick or a body. Brick or a body. She got that purge. She got that purge. She got that purge. She got that verge. She got that purge. She got that purge. She got that purge. She got that verge. She got that purge. She got that verge. She got that wet wet. She got that urge. King of the trap. Now that shit make a nervous. Got that hit that I like. Got me speeding and swerve. First she was stressing me, then she went flexing me, now one had sex with me. Then she keep texting me and she undressing me, that shit impressing me. Her name was Melody, when she had sex with me, I call her ecstasy. Said cooking my specialty, I got the recipe, let's make an extra three. I got that bag on, it's too long I can calculate. Cup got go ding out that Activision, need a Percocet so I can activate. I did to the dad, I just did the folks in the pussy. I did to the local in the pussy. I think she got dope in the pussy. She got that purge. She got that purge. She got that purge. She got that verge. She got that purge. She got that purge. She got that purge. She got that verge. She got that purge. She got that verge. She got that wet wet. She got that urge. The king of the trap. Now that shit make a nerves. Got that hit that I like. Got me speeding the swerve. A podcast network that's changing gears Bringing fresh funky pods with a fresh funky beat A family of pods that are bringing the heat There ain't no stopping us Keep coming back to us Sick ass pods that'll make you hush www.hushyourface www.hushyourface www.hushyourface.com